Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast. Today's episode, the Andy Jassy profit train continues to roll. Annie Palmer of CNBC and Rohit Kolkarni of Roth MKN Ventures joins me today to talk Amazon Q4 earnings call. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. Welcome to the Day 2 Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Boyce, founder and CEO of Avenue 7 Media and co-author of the Amazon Jungle. I have two very special guests to talk Amazon earnings. First, Annie Palmer is a technology reporter for CNBC, specializing in covering Amazon and e-commerce with a focus on the latest developments and trends in the industry. Annie provides insightful and informative articles that keep readers up to date on the ever-evolving world of online retail. Also with me today is Rohit Kolkarni of Roth MKM Ventures. Rohit is a managing director and senior research analyst covering internet and capital markets at Roth MKM Ventures. He has nearly 25 years of experience across technology products, investment banking, and institutional investments, both private and public. Annie and Rohit, you have each sat through different press conferences from the Amazon Q4 call, which is where I feel so lucky to have you both on the the podcast at the same time so we can talk about if there are any differences and what different messages were sent in each. And so thank you each for joining. And we'll uh, we'll get started here in a second. First, Annie, Rohit, how are you guys doing today? Great. Uh, We're doing great. Uh, Heading to earnings and uh, so far so good. (laughs) This is a busy time for you, right, Rohit? Yeah. Uh, One after the other after the other. Yeah, it's busy on our our desk uh, last week with three of the tech giants all reporting in one day. So it's certainly made for a fun afternoon of back-to-back reports. (laughs) Annie, do you feel like that's personal? Do they do that to just keep you guys buried so that you can't You know, (laughs) this is the second or third quarter where that's happened. And I'm beginning to think that it's retribution of some kind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not crazy, Annie. I think there's something there. I I definitely do. First of all, maybe you could describe for our listeners and our viewers, what is the call that you sit in on? And let's start with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like you said earlier, there's this conference call with analysts that comes about an hour and a half after the the earnings report lands. And prior to that, around 30 minutes after the earnings report, we've got this call with the chief financial officer, Brian Olsovsky, um, and just a couple members of the media where he breaks down their earnings results and members of the media have an opportunity to act ask questions about how the quarter went. So whereas on the conference call, you're going to hear primarily from analysts on this call, it's just a closed call with members of the media. Um, It's not very long, usually only about five or six questions, but it's a good opportunity to get, you know, FaceTime with the CFO on the quarter. And Annie, thank you for that. And sitting in on this call, what in your mind was the key message that Amazon wanted to deliver to the press? What came through in their opening statements? It's not too different from what you know you folks heard on the press release and on the conference call, but really just that it seems like so far heading into 2024, things are looking a bit better than 2023. Um, you know, we're seeing some of those headwinds from you know the war in Ukraine, inflation and the pandemic kind of start to fade a bit and the company's feeling a bit more optimistic about their ability to really generate profits and that came through in you know the results really just in terms of the big beat that we saw um, in terms of profits and on their guide as well. So that was one of the overarching themes but there's definitely a lot that they touched on. Yeah, yeah. And Rohit, how does how does that press conference with four or five questions from the main, you know, press outlets like CNBC, how does that compare to the call you sit in on? Can you describe that one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the call, uh, the investor call, the analyst call tends to be a little bit longer. Uh, there tends to be a fairly drawn out set of prepared remarks, I would say. Um, as in, in fact, what I would point out is uh, since Jassy started to come on uh, Invest, investor calls uh, over the last two, three quarters, the prepared remarks have been almost 30 minutes long, where they're reading through a very long script uh, where Jassy is telling his story, then uh, the CFO is telling his story. So, And then that leaves around maybe three, four, five questions for analysts uh, that uh, they can ask on a very high level, big picture, strategic 
uh, point of view of certain aspects of Amazon. So again, uh, prepared remarks are are there for us to understand what the story is from their standpoint, but um, some analysts get a chance to ask some questions. So I would just say the prepared remarks have gotten a bit longer since Jesse came on board. <laughs> ah, interesting. So there's more time now that Jesse's on board. He's given more details. Yep, yep. He's providing a big uh, overview on a lot of strategic initiatives that they are doing, which again, Historically, like for the last 15 years, Amazon was considered as a company that was very, very tight-lipped. Yeah. In the last three, four quarters, it has started to change uh, the way they want to be more friendly with the investor community, more open, more transparent, so on and so forth. And you know, you too, I, I see the same thing in the seller community, which is of course a big part of that financial, those financial numbers, the ad revenue dollars, the third-party seller services, which is driving a lot of money into the Amazon funnel. There's definitely especially over the last two years, been an openness, more transparency, more more willing to call sellers partners and work with them, which is frankly a very welcome change. Uh, you know, when I first started selling in 2003, it was open kimono, everything, they'd tell you everything. And then they went into sort of the, the dark ages or the ice age, and now they're thawing a little bit from the seller community. And I welcome every bit of it. What were some of the top stories that caught your attention from what they were delivering? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the big question on everyone, well, at least on a lot of media's minds is really, are we going to continue to see a lot of layoffs heading into 24? And the year started off with kind of a bit of a bang with multiple units within Amazon announcing layoffs from Prime Video to Twitch, Audible. Um, We reported on some cuts that were within Buy With Prime So it seems like um, tech companies are still really being very strategic about where they're investing and where they're probably, we're probably going to see them invest more is around AI because that's really the topic of the moment. And, you know, even Andy Jassy said on the call, you know, we expect AI to potentially generate tens of billions of dollars for the company and revenue in the future. So Tech companies are really bullish on AI and they're saying, you know, we're going to pull back our investments from some areas that, you know, haven't been so successful in the past, or maybe we overhired and we're going to be very strategic and maybe direct those investments towards things like AI. That's a really good point. The layoffs have been very interesting. I keep scratching my head, Rohit. I'm looking at the economic numbers and we've added 300,000 jobs, but every tech company has laid off thousands of people. I'm still trying to understand that. How does the investor community think about these layoffs? Do, 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 do they think they're cutting a little bit to the bone? Do they think that this is something that's going to continue over the next decade? Where's your, what's your take on it? Again, I think uh, when it comes to companies like Amazon, I think uh, there was definitely this growing worry that uh, uh, they overhired around COVID, thinking that those days are going to be uh, there for forever in the future. So the companies like Amazon overhired and now they are pendulum always swings. Uh, when it swings, it swings on both ends very, very much. So they are now in the point where they are overfiring probably. And at some point they'll realize that, okay, uh, we can f- uh, start to hire more and uh, uh, we have uh, cut to the bone a little bit too much. So that's that's where we are in right now. I think we com- pendulum continues to swing in a way where they continue to get more efficient, get more revenue per employee, get more operating profits. And perhaps by some time in 25, we start to see that acceleration in hiring is, is how we think. And until then, it's good times for investors because more profits is good is a good thing. And that brings the stock prices higher. So almost all big tech companies are in that uh, swing of the pendulum where they are going to be more and more efficient. And at some point, then they'll start hiring again. And it would be almost four years after the COVID. So that's uh, that's the cycle that would have elapsed. All that makes sense. The question mark I have, Annie, is the AI, right? Because I, I heard Sam Altman come out and say he thinks that a one-person company with the use of generative AI can have a billion-dollar valuation. I mean, I would say a dozen, maybe, maybe not one, <laughs> but, but I know that behind closed doors, all the big tech titans are talking about this and they are mapping out how many layoffs are going to be coming in subsequent layoffs now for the next three to five years due to the efficiencies gained and the output generated by generative AI. 
Any mention of that? Did you hear any of that in the call? I know Gen AI is the topic of the, of the month or of the year, but any indications from Jassy and team that this is something that's going to continue to happen? Correct me if I'm wrong, Rohit, but on the, on the conference call, I don't think he talked too much about AI's impact on labor or, or headcount within Amazon. And I don't think really companies have a full grasp on how AI is going to affect their headcount. I think really what they've been commenting more on is, well, going back to the, the topic of layoffs and headcount, you know, Amazon announced this corporate hiring freeze back in November of 2022. What I've been trying to figure out is, is that hiring freeze still in place? Because we keep hearing from tech companies, you know, we need more AI tech talent. And so my understanding is, is that that hiring freeze has thawed a little bit and they're not hiring at the degree that they did before, but where they are hiring is around AI and engineering. It'll be really interesting to see, like if you look at Amazon's open jobs page, how many of those open positions make mention of AI and that should indicate like how much are they prioritizing AI across the businesses moving forward. I think what I would add to that is um, the efficiency that some of these tech companies, including Amazon, will get in their core R&D over the next couple of years is something that a lot of investors are keeping a close eye on. Mm. The general hypothesis there is the most expensive of your employees who are your engineers, who, who tend to... Uh, and slightest improvement in efficiency, productivity of those employees will be a fantastic benefit for most of these companies. So think about automatic code generation, code pilot, and all, all those tools that AI, Gen AI is bringing to the table. These companies are eating their own dog food and just essentially uh, applying those Gen AI tools to their engineers. And yeah. that may not lead to layoffs, but that would definitely lead to slower hiring and you get more and more juice out of every engineer and that's their best kind of leverage standpoint in the next probably 12 months and beyond that maybe then you look at cheaper and cheaper people i guess that's a great point you know i was having dinner with a friend who just got hired by amazon just on the heels of the the layoff announcements what i always ask myself the question is i always want to know what the what the net amount is like sure they had layoffs in certain areas those seem to be the headline annie but how many people did they hire that month that they made those layoffs? My guess is the Amazon's hiring machine is still happening, right? I mean, my buddy Pete got hired and he's at AWS now. And so I, I can't imagine he's the only one that got hired. Does, does Am When you talk to Amazon, do they share those numbers? They don't report their month by month hiring figures or anything like that. But I think where you can sort of get a small picture is if you look in their earnings, they report their worldwide employee count as of the end of that that quarter. And um, I think you make a really great point, which is that if you look at their total headcount, it's still much bigger than it was pre-pandemic. I think they're, they're at like 1.5 million employees or something like that. Yeah. It has come down in recent quarters because of these layoffs, but net, the headcount is still increased compared to like 2019. I'm still trying to understand, Rohit, in the greater economy, why there's 300,000 jobs added. But if you read the tech headlines from the last month, everyone's laying people off, right? Yeah. I'm still struggling to figure that out. Maybe the jobs are being added in, in hospitality and retail and some of these other areas. And, and maybe things are getting a little leaner in the tech space. Are you, yeah. Do you have any insight into that? Even just earlier today, Snapchat. It's not a small company, but it's not a very large company by any means. But somewhere in between, they are laying off 10% of their employees. That company laid off 20% of their employees back in 22, another 5% in 23, and another 10% in 24. So it's maybe a case of their own issues, but still, that's a, that's a sizable chunk. I think another kind of just throwing out a macro data point out there. Um, I don't know if you have any teenage kids in your house, but I'm about the to. amount of teenagers who are working right now is the highest proportion in the last 25, 30 years. Really? So those are the people who are earning. They are not the guys who are earning $150,000. They are the guys who are earning mostly uh, minimum plus kind of a wage. So those, the teenage workforce composition has increased a lot. But uh, overall, and the second point I would throw is uh, 
from a tech company standpoint, I think we are just in a rolling recession in the last, call it 18 months. Regardless of which point in tech you are in, be it software, be it e-commerce, uh, marketing, digital media, there's a rolling recession across various different end markets. So companies are getting hit in various different fashion. And so they aren't able to find a normalized working environment, be it supply chain, inflation, labor, all those things. So they're, they're finding it hard to adjust to a normal working environment. I, I don't think we have had a normal working environment for the last three and a half, four years. And right. so that's Got the it. issue. Like that's piling on to all these tech companies that hired at one point thinking about a certain type of future and that's not manifesting and they keep changing uh, their uh, kind of compass as such. Andy, you mentioned, ten, was it $10 billion in additional revenue coming from AI that Jassy mentioned, what are the segments of that revenue? Are we talking AWS, Gen AI as a cloud service? What were some of the elements he broke down? I wish I could tell you. It was a very, it was kind of a comment made in passing. Um, ah. I think it may have come up during the Q&A portion of the call, but he said tens of billions of dollars in revenue. I sort of took it within the context of AWS largely, but um, I mean, of course, they're infusing AI across all their businesses. I mean, right before the call, they announced this um, Rufus shopping artificial intelligence. Yeah, hey Rufus, tool. yeah, find me a find me a spatula. <laughs> <laughs> who comes up with these names? I don't know who's who comes up with these names over there. <laughs> yeah, my guess is they paid a quarter of a million dollars for that name. Exactly, that's how they, yeah, that's how they tend tend to do. Yeah. Well, I was joking. Rufus is still a better name than Q, which is what they named their oh my goodness, yeah. their business chatbot <laughs> that raises all sorts of <laughs> uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, right, right, right. Not to mention if you're a Star Trek fan, it's a whole nother camera. Right. right. Yeah, I get it. You know, let's dive into some of the numbers here, folks, because talk about a beat. Rohit, yeah. when's the last time you saw a $3.7 billion beat? That, this was a very, very impressive uh, Q4. Um, historically, Q4, they tend to give a very wide range uh, for guidance um, mm -hmm. because it's it's such a big quarter. It's so many things can happen in that quarter. Uh, so historically, they have always given a wide range. And historically, they tend to not beat on 4Q as big as they did. I, I haven't done the math, but I can I can look, look that up uh, quickly. But over the last, call it, at least six, seven years, they haven't had such a magnificent beat on 4Q, which tends to have that much more um, kind of back-end loaded uh, quarter, if you will. By that, what I mean is a lot more money they make in November, December as compared to October. So again, there are more uncertainties. So the way they beat it is very, very impressive. Um, we haven't seen something like that in many, many years. You know, the, the one thing, one number that stuck out is that fulfillment expense was down a full percentage point. That's a lot of dollars for Amazon. And you know, I haven't heard any more calls for Jeff Bezos to come back at CEO in the last couple of quarters because they've been so good, Rohit. Yeah. And I gotta say, Andy Jassy coming through and creating that regional, the yeah. FBA regional placement strategy, where even depending on where you're going to amazon.com, whatever part of the country you're in, you may see different search results that factor in the closest inventory to you. I was really nervous when they launched it because we had a lot of early problems. I haven't seen those problems in the last three quarters. And I got to imagine fourth quarter is yep. the area where this is the first fourth quarter where they're really seeing the true benefits of that. He's got to be patting himself on the back with that move, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is like this is this was the print that kind of shows the fruits of uh, Amazon under Jassy's tenure. Like you 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 take 12, 18 months to get your uh, kind of bearings, and I think this first 4Q where they actually hit the pedal to the metal, or uh, and and I think it, this is truly a good execution by Jassy and his team. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, no one's saying come back, Jeff, right now. They're all kind of the investor community, especially, right? Q4 online store. So this is ships and sold by Amazon products being sold on, on the Amazon and international markets up 9%. We've been hovering around 4% year over year growth for the last three quarters. 
Annie, Rohi, did they say anything about why or how they were able to get the online store growing again? Almost double-digit growth in what has been a laggard. What I'll quickly chime in is they, they have been toying around with um, pricing changes. Um, they um, mm. maybe slightly different topic here, but they are they said that uh, they keep uh, lowering prices for sub twenty five dollar uh, products. Um, they have mm. been very competitive. Mm. I think I think they it's 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 a situation where they are always that customer first, but competitor aware. Like they're aware of yeah. what Timo Sheen are doing, but they're always customer first. So I think that's yeah. that's taking shape. Uh, I don't know how how what do you guys think about Timo Sheen and impact of uh, them on uh, Amazon? But I feel that's under the surface. Amazon is winning. Uh, some of that back as such. Yeah, I would agree. I, I definitely took the um, highlighting the um, fastest deli- prime delivery speeds ever. That announcement they had, I think it was a week before the earnings release. Um, and then talking about this, like reducing the cost to serve. I took that to be like an offensive move or rather defensive move to Timu and Shein. Um, you know, they're kind of saying like, we acknowledge that there are these other players out there that may be taking little bits and pieces of share, but we still sort of um, dominate when it comes to, you know, fast, free delivery and just really v- very smooth running systems. They've really got a moat there, I think. Oh, that moat is long and deep and wide. It is unbelievable. And I think that's the biggest differentiator, right? They're, they've got the amazing selection. They've got the client base. And then they have a best-in-class to-your-door delivery network. Factory to door, literally everything in between. It's incredibly impressive. We'll talk more about Timu and Shein and TikTok in a minute because those are very interesting, uh, very, very interesting topics. One thing that I'm seeing trend-wise with sellers, especially folks who sell a single unit CPG item, they can't make any money as a seller. The FBA fees, especially on those small volume items, are not nearly as profitable as they used to be when the small and light program was very popular. All that, all those great benefits for selling a single unit are gone. What we're seeing in the seller community is they're taking that single unit and they're turning it into a two or a three pack. Their FBA fee is a dollar more than it was for the single, but their profitability is so much more. And I noticed that most of those single packs are still shipped and sold by Amazon. So, I mean, I, we have clients of our own who stop selling the single packs or they've raised the price so much that if Amazon happens to be selling it, they're getting all of those sales. So I don't think that's the whole story in terms of those online store growth, but I think there's definitely something there as more and more sellers turn their their listings to more of a Costco type packaging thing where they're selling a big volume or multiple quantities. Like, you know, when you get the shrink wrap stuff at Costco. So I think it's a trend that's not going to go away anytime soon, unless and until Amazon lowers those single unit FBA fees, but that ain't going to happen. They're making too much money on FBA, off FBA now. What about physical stores? I mean, there was a lot of shut a lot of stores shut down. The four stars were shut down and, you know, Grocery continues to be a little bit of a drag. I mean, Walmart is is the 8,000 pound gorilla in grocery. Any mention of stores and grocery in your guys' calls? Jassy did give a bit of a small update on Fresh, um, which was not anything different than I think what we've heard before, which is, you know, they've got these different, basically Fresh 2.0 stores that they're trialing in um, Illinois, I believe, in California. I, I actually was able to go tour one in California last year and wasn't too moved in terms of what I was seeing. Um, I, I think what the, the main improvements are is that they've they've brightened them up quite a bit. Um, that was one of the major complaints about the prior stores is that they were kind of soulless and yeah. too focused on tech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he says that the early results on that are are good, but they're not coming out and saying we're opening 50 new fresh stores, you know, nationwide this year or anything like that. So I took that to mean that they're still moving pretty cautiously on fresh, at least. Uh, exactly um, what Annie said. And what I'll add is they are still um, they still believe that grocery is the last kind of frontier of e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um and if there's anyone who can crack it at scale that they want to crack it, it's Amazon. They've been trying this for the last 15 years. They haven't succeeded completely. They bought Whole Foods. 
I wouldn't say it's an overwhelming success or not. It's it's going okay. As in, they, if five years from now, I think Jassy would probably be saying the same thing. And they think that at a longer term, if Walmart is the biggest grocer in the world, they could be uh, the next Walmart. Uh, so watch out Walmart is all I'll say, but it's kind of slow going right now. That, that seems like a gap in their fulfillment is the ability to store stuff that melts. We've had a lot of brands, big brands and sellers have to remove their inventory in the summertime when it gets hot for things like gummies and supplements and chocolates and things like that. They won't, they won't even, they won't even manage that. If there is a big new investment as a final frontier, I got to believe that having really good regional ability to store cold and mm-hmm. ship fast would be a huge opportunity for them because the BOPIS is still strong. There's BOPIS with Target. There's BOPIS with, you know, buy online, pick up in store for, for Walmart. People like doing that. I'm doing it at Fred Meyer after I pick up my daughter from jujitsu later tonight, right? Uh, here in the Northwest. And it's attractive. You, you, you pull in the parking lot, you enter the parking space and they pop the trunk when they pull up and then you go home. Amazon doesn't have that ability. They just they really don't. Yet, tell me more, Annie. Well, I, what I wanted to chime in and say is that is one thing that I'm really interested to see is they have mentioned sort of quietly that they may be testing micro fulfillment technologies. So mm. putting these sort of little fulfillment center boxes onto their existing brick and mortar footprint. And I don't know at what scale that's at currently, but you look at some of their work with Auto Store which is a micro FC company in the past. And I I just wonder, they've got to realize that, you know, just like the points you're making about BOPIS, that could be a big opportunity for them, especially if they leverage like all these stores that they've got between Whole Foods and Fresh and Amazon Go, whether they can kind of solve some of those cold chain issues that you talk about. I wonder if anyone would drive up to a parking lot at one of the big FCs. I don't know. I, I, you can't fly into a major airport in the United States without seeing a massive Amazon distribution center, right? So I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a question mark. Anything else to add there, Rohit? No, I think, I think that's it. Isn't it? I think they're still yeah. early on, on this experiment. It's yeah. 10 years, but still early, I would say. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, and again, you guys, you know, the, the, the topic near and dear to my heart is third-party sellers. Q4 third-party seller revenue, $43 billion, 20% year-over-year growth. And advertising, which, you know, to be fair, when I watch a freebie show, when I watch Bosch on freebie, because damn it, they don't put it on the non-commercial version. You know, I see commercials for stuff that's not a product being sold on Amazon. I'm seeing Geico commercials and I'm seeing others. So there's definitely a part of seller revenue in there. It's probably the lion's share, but boy, that ad revenue. Rohit, that's part of this business that is not leveling off. That thing is a rocket ship. 27% year-over-year growth for ads. Tell, what, are you, what are you thinking here? I think that you are an expert in there, Jason, I would say. But uh, from what I've learned from people like you uh, is that this is a must-have uh, poison for each and every seller. Um, you cannot live without it. You'll you'll die without it or with it, or I don't know how to phrase that. But I think uh, it's the best performing uh, advertising unit out there, better than Google, better than Facebook, and better than many, many other places. So if you're selling anywhere on e-commerce, you have to buy ads on Amazon. And moreover, they are getting into video. They are getting into off Amazon ads. So they're increasing their footprint in a way that um, is going to be very hard to put that genie in the bottle again. It's, it's, uh, it's I think I, there was a very intelligent guy called as Jason who told me this last year that watch out, Amazon ads is going to be bigger than Facebook. And I agree with that guy. Like he's, he's, he's one smart dude. Appreciate that, Rohit. Annie, did that topic come up at all? I mean, they've got to be, no pun intended, jazzed about, the ad revenue growth, right? I think so. I mean, um, to Rohit's point about video ads, I think that's really something that folks are buzzing about. Wall Street's excited about it. Amazon's excited about it. I think the only people that aren't are prime subscribers who now have to pay. Yeah. We'll have to pay a couple extra dollars to not see ads. But, um, but I think, you know, Amazon is really bullish on how much revenue they can potentially 
squeeze out of this extra channel. And I think brands are probably really excited about it too, because you've got this built-in audience within Prime Video that you can now serve ads to and potentially, you know, I think Amazon's um, vision is that you could shop ad or shop products while you're, you're watching a show. So um, I think they see there's a lot of potential there. It's one of the most exciting things to come out of Amazon. Maybe that I'm biased, maybe because I'm an agency, but that I have seen in terms of product and the ability to open up to new audiences and then remarket those folks. Sell, sell what it's viewed, right? If you're Fire TV, the conversion rate's much higher than the QR code. Because like me, I'm fumbling around trying to get my phone and unlock it and everything before I scan the QR code. But, but what's amazing and what performs so beautifully on this platform and Amazon's first party data is insanely good, but the ability to remarket and to retarget those views is gold. It works so well. Now, YouTube TV can do that to some extent, but I don't think anyone has the ability to do that like Amazon. This thing's just going to keep going. And, and speaking of ads, you know, for a long time, Rohit, everyone was saying AWS is the only reason why Amazon makes any money. And we've unpacked why that's not necessarily the case. But now look at what's going on with yeah. ad revenue, yep. right? I mean, if you look at that ad, ad advertising, 14.7 billion. Mm -hmm. Let's be generous, Rohit. Let's say that half of that amount is profit margin. That's a big, big chunk of yep. the operating revenue. And it really should be, I think it's already making more money than AWS yep. in operating profit. I'll tell you this, like uh, investors um, always uh, look back to like 2017 or 2018 margins that um, kind of retail had. And this was before they had any anything much in advertising. And um, so at that time, um, they had like maybe 6%, 6.5% 6 peak margins. We already hit that in 4Q after almost doubling the fulfillment center footprint. And then the mental math people like me do is now take out advertising, right? And what would be those margins right now? They would probably be three and a half, four percent. So still 50% below peaks. And so which means the glass half full uh, interpretation of all of this is fast forward next three years, retail could be a nine to 10% margin business, um, which is, essentially accelerating cash flow generation because of advertising over the next three years. So that's the bullish story on Amazon because of advertising, how structurally retail is so much more profitable than what Bezos could have ever built right now. In the last five years, advertising has just changed that completely. So yeah, that's that's as in, just as AWS changed the, the economics, but advertising is even, even more profitable structurally than cloud. So, that is pretty amazing. And Annie, Rohit and I have talked about this in previous episodes too. It's like, they hide it really well. They hide the third-party seller services profitability and they hide the advertising operating margin. I, they've got to be, they got to, they got to show that at some point, right, Rohit? I mean, they're going to hide it as long as they can. You know, I, I think, and we've, we've guessed about this before, Annie, online store probably losing money, right? Physical stores, no question, losing money in grocery. Subscription, I don't know if they're losing money, but that Thursday night football and the Friday night Black Friday TV, that's expensive, right? I mean, I think that's why analysts sometimes look at it, not smart analysts like Rohi, but a lot of analysts look at this and go, no, they're not making any money anywhere else. It's got to be only AWS, but it's because they're hiding it. Have they, do they talk about that? Do, in the conversations that you have with Amazon, do they ever own the fact that there's money losing revenue streams here? I mean, not really, aside from maybe the devices in Alexa segment where they've always been pretty upfront about the fact that, you know, we sell these devices um, at or below cost. That's always been our strategy because our, our thinking is, is you buy the Echo and then you buy something on Amazon.com. <laughs> so that's about the only segment that I'm aware of where they've owned the fact that it's a money losing business. Like a lost leader almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just remarkable company. And I'll tell you this: like this is this is a six hundred billion dollar company, and of that hundred billion dollars is AWS that generates maybe twenty five billion dollars in profits, and then there is another sixty billion dollar advertising that generates another twenty billion dollars in profits. So you have twenty five plus twenty forty five billion dollars in profits, and how much did they report right now? 
$36 billion in profits. So this company lost $9 billion in the other $400 billion of revenues that they generated. Nobody knows. Like So that's the very rough math for listeners. $160 billion is leading to $40 billion in profits. And the remaining $400 billion is they're losing money on that. $600 billion company. Let's talk about GMV for a second. Gross merchandise value. That's the total doll, retail value of goods sold on Amazon.com. So guys, I, I, I don't know where this number comes from, but overall e-commerce in the US, $1.1 trillion. Marketplace Joe from Marketplace Pulse. Annie, you know, you know Joe. Yeah. He just came out and said GMV is... $700 billion, $700 billion of goods were sold on Amazon's e-commerce stores. Now, I'll, I'm going to do the math. I'm going to break down where it came from. And JP Morgan even came out and said it's about 470, 480 billion in GMV on marketplace. If you, you know, there's some guesstimates that it's very rough. It's crude. It's a crude estimate, but it's close. Then you add in another $220 billion for its first party sales, the ships mm -hmm. sold by Amazon, $700 billion in a market that's $1.1 trillion. That's a lot. Now they're going to downplay that. They're not coming to come out and say that. If it, if I, I wish one thing that the government agencies would do is require all these marketplaces to share GMV. I feel like that should be a requirement so we can see what's going on. But should we be worried about that? we haven't even touched on too is the international opportunity that they say they still have yet to unlock. Um, I mean, and, and they've already dominated. I mean, I wouldn't say they dominated in Europe, but I actually don't know what their second largest uh, market is. I think it might be Germany. UK, Germany, Japan. Those are the three. Yeah. Yeah. And in Japan, they're number one. In UK, they're number one. I think they're number one in Germany, but it's a close second. There's another, there's another marketplace there that's very strong, but it won't take long. So yeah, Annie, sorry, go ahead and finish your, finish your thought. Oh no, that was just my main point is, um, you know, they've, they've got so much more room to run outside of the U S even. So that GMV number potentially grows even more. And they have prime only in what 18 or 19 countries. And like, Almost half of those are launched in the last three, four years. So they're still early in those countries. So think think about um, a company like Amazon is still not in many, many Latin American countries, for example, where e-commerce penetration is even higher than some some of uh, where we are uh, sitting in Western Europe. So um, there is there is a lot of room for them to run uh, in terms of... Getting, I didn't even think uh, about Latin America, Rohit. That's a huge opportunity. Collectively, the Latin countries are doing they're much larger than our market it's almost like a maybe not quite to china's size but that is a tremendous opportunity and they've planted seeds in every seeds in every one of those countries you know where they're not china and you know what chinese marketplaces are here tiktok timu xian I'm becoming more and more disturbed by the fact that those marketplaces can be here and the Chinese government doesn't allow our marketplaces and tech products to be there, which is probably a topic for another uh, podcast with you guys in the future. But um, Annie, I know you're tracking these very closely. What's your take on these other marketplaces? And are they a real, are they a clear and present danger to Amazon's power? And what should Amazon be thinking about here? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a concrete answer because it really feels like things are still unfolding. My biggest question is, is sort of probably the same one you have, which is how much are Timu and Xi'an a real um, definitive threat to Amazon? In my mind, I think TikTok could potentially be a bigger threat to Amazon over time than a Timu because they have this built-in... Um, social audience that is sort of trained to buy things in the app already. And they have more capital, I think, to build a more 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 logistics infrastructure than Timu has currently. Because if you look at what Timu's strategy is, is it's kind of a playbook we've seen before where you go on an advertising blitz to get in front of as many eyeballs as possible. But how sustainable is that 
over time. Um, and, you know, I just have a lot of, I have a lot of questions about Timu. <laughs> what I would say is like, everything runs through Prime for Amazon, right? Prime is where they actually sow the seed of, uh, plant the flag of success and everything grows through Prime. And the hypothesis in investors is that what has happened with the Prime user cohort over the last 10 years is people who grew up with a like an Instagram um, account, they are less likely to sign up for Prime. They are, whereas old dudes like you, not like me, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like they, me, old guy. <laughs> they yeah. have Costco membership, they have, they have Amazon membership and both you spend thousands of dollars every year. But the younger crowd who's going to go on TikTok, Instagram, is less likely to be uh, an Amazon Prime paying customer. That's just the hypothesis. We don't know that yet. Um, Prime is very well penetrated in the US, not so much outside. So if Amazon doesn't, doesn't want to run the risk of 10 years from now, those younger guys who are going to be in their prime spending uh, age, um, what if they don't want to be prime customers? Then that golden goose is going to start to slowly whittle down. So that's where they're... That's where the biggest worry, and I completely agree with Annie. And who are those guys? Those are the guys who are using TikTok today. TikTok knows that. Amazon probably also knows that. And uh, we'll need to figure out 10 years from now, what is that TikTok user going to be buying and where are they going to be buying from? So, um, you know, very wise. I, I joke, TikTok, I, I agree with you guys. TikTok is very, very interesting. And I, I say that, you know, it's 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 as if, Amazon in its early growth phase, high growth phase, and Facebook in its early high growth phase got together and had a baby. That's TikTok shop, right? And, you know, they still have miles to go. The fulfillment moat, as you guys both pointed out, is still very strong and they've got miles and miles and years. And I think the 10 year time frame is very realistic, Rohit. I don't think that there's an immediate, clear and present danger. Yep. But what happens to that 18 to 25 year old crowd that doesn't have a prime account right now and there's buying stuff on TikTok? Cause we all, we know thanks to you, Rohit, they're all getting jobs. They got some money to spend right now. Right. And so they're buying it on TikTok. And so what's going to happen when they become 35 and 45 and they start having families with, do they, are they going to need that prime account? Is that going to be a rite of passage that they need to get their prime account <laughs> so they can, you know, take care of their families with it? Like I take care of mine with it. Yep. Um, but it's a very interesting, the thing that pisses me off the most about it is Amazon can't go back over to China and launch its marketplace there. You know, they just, they just won't, the government won't allow it. So why are we allowing as a government mm -hmm. to have Chinese funded Chinese back? No, I'll tell you what, Rohit, Mark Zuckerberg is not complaining about Sheehan and Timo. He hopes that money train keeps flowing, but it's not going to, right? I, th that's the biggest worry. Like, um, did they disclose this? 10% of the revenues are coming from Chinese uh, e-commerce apps. So that's a very big chunk of change for a $120 billion company. If 10% of the revenues are coming from these Chinese apps, um, how long can they keep... Uh, it's literally burning uh, dollars. Um, I know they're getting some returns from Facebook, but right now that's not their focus. So um, that that's remains to be seen. I would love to uh, answer the question with a question to you, uh, Jason and Annie. Like with Amazon and Facebook, this prime partnership tie-up, um, do you guys have any opinion on that in terms of is this like almost like an anti-Timu, anti-Shein, anti-TikTok lobby that Facebook that Amazon is trying to do with Pinterest, with Snap, with Facebook, like all those guys? Great question. Annie, what do you think? Yeah, you know, those partnerships really, I, I noticed those as well. And I haven't been really able to make quite sense of um, why they're, they're doing that necessarily. I think for Amazon, they probably see what TikTok is doing in terms of getting products in front of people that they can buy within the app. Um, and I think Pinterest and more importantly, Snap are playing defense here by partnering with Amazon because they just can't replicate the ad power that Facebook and Google have. Um, so I don't know, it's like a frenemies type thing, but I can't quite figure out the reason behind it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think all of those three social media companies, they've all tried and failed at a marketplace and they can't invest a hundred billion dollars in building a good network. So 
for their perspective, it's a really smart move, I think. And from Amazon's perspective, here's what I, here's what I suspect, Rohit, is that Amazon and Andy Jassy have figured out a way to make money on FBA fees, right? They're making money on every delivery now. And I think it goes back to that really bright, smart move that he made earlier in the year with the regional fulfillment. And because that makes money and because, you know, they know that at some point, at some point that 700 billion is going to be quickly approaching a trillion and they're going to have to come up with something else for growth. This is their way to do it. I think it gives them legs specific to your question. It probably is a way to beat back some of the, the, the Chinese uh, marketplaces a little bit, but I, I just think it's a win. Now, buy with Prime was something last year in the annual letter, Jassy was very proud to talk about, and they put a lot of money in it, but that's also, Annie, that's another department that's had some layoffs that I've been, I've been reading. So buy with Prime, where you can buy with Prime on your know, .com, it's kind of the similar thing with Shopify and, and Instagram, et cetera. So, I just think it's a smart move for them to continue to gain growth and and continue to make that fulfillment mode of theirs even stronger. I would say sort of to to play devil's advocate a little bit if if I'm if I'm Pinterest or if I'm Shopify, I don't know that I would be necessarily welcoming Amazon on my doorstep and saying yeah, sure. Like we'll partner with you guys. Like if I'm Pinterest, I don't know why I would want to give away that transaction data, for example, to Am or not transaction data, but like advertising data, user data to Amazon by having that partnership. And I think Amazon is just eager to capture more sales off of its own site. So it's, you know, growing its tentacles <laughs> wherever it can. But yeah, if I'm an, in if I'm a Pinterest or a Shopify, I, I don't know why I would <laughs> do that. Yeah, and I think they're I just think letting they, in letting in a Trojan horse, like a Amazon. It, is a it, it horse. absolutely is, Annie, and, and you're spot on. But then you know, Shopify divested all of its technology yep. into fulfillment, so it's a Faustian bargain. Is that the right language? I don't know. They they've got, they don't have an option really because they don't have the money to invest. And it goes back to what you guys said at the beginning of this call, which is that fulfillment moat for Amazon is really strong, and it's only going to get stronger. I think Rohit should be asking the questions next time, Annie. What do you think next quarter? <laughs> That's a great question. I, okay. just, I just took the chance to ask smart, <laughs> it's a great one. smart people. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay. So now looking forward to 2024, what kind of indications, Annie, you said AI, you said continue, you know, harvesting of margin. is going to continue. What other indications did Amazon give us on this on these calls? about what their focus is going to be moving forward in 2024. The most exciting things from investors is one is obviously video ads. We talked about it. That's the new, new thing. That's a new shiny object. And that brings in new types of advertisers, new different category of customers that never sold on Amazon, like we just talked about. That's one. And second is uh, uh, on, uh, uh, on the retail side, there is just greater and greater hope that margins keep going up. Uh, margins go to new record highs. Let's just say that like in Q3 of this year, we see margins that Amazon has never printed in the past uh, in the history of Amazon. That's the new record high that they print. Um, and people will be like, wow, this e-commerce business is making more money than we ever thought they would uh, because of the scale, scope, and all the efficiencies they have. So those those two things like video ads and retail margins are big, big things in my opinion. Rohit, is there a dividend in Amazon's future? Uh, I would be very surprised if they <laughs> yeah, go there. No, uh, yeah. I think I, I think I, uh, it is just that um, very very against their corporate philosophy. In my opinion, I don't even know, they never, know how they maybe don't even have the talent to be able to do exactly, something. Exactly, like, like they've never they thought like, about it. <laughs> they would need to open the dictionary about like financial. <laughs> what is a dividend? And and <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were surprised to see. Zuckerberg pulled that rabbit out of the hat. Right. That uh, yeah. was very surprising. Nobody expected that. And that's why the stock is where it is right now. Yeah. Annie, anything to add? I mean, I think the one thing we didn't touch on is AWS revenue growth. Um, that was, you know, just one theme that's kind of continued over the past couple quarters. This quarter, things sort of slightly got better. Um, with with revenue accelerating a little bit, um, but I think it also speaks to not to like beat a dead horse on AI, but 
along that same theme of AWS revenue growth, like when are they going to start to see revenue generation from all these investments in AI? Um, so, and that, you know, that, that applies to all their businesses, not just AWS, but those are things I'm, I'm curious about. I love it. It's changing the world. It, it, this, this generative AI, this, this automated intelligence systems are just changing the world. It's, it's so soon. Something big is happening. I know we all feel it, but it's hard to see past the hood to see just how quickly or how impactful it will be. But there's, there's one thing for sure, Annie, it's going to have a big impact in 2024. Uh, it, and AI, what I would add on AI is last week, Google increased uh, their CapEx, capital expenditure, and they said that's AI. Facebook did the same, and they said, oh, by the way, we are going to be doing more AI. And Amazon surprisingly said the same, that, hey, retail will go down in terms of how many new fulfillment centers we'll build, but uh, data centers will go up, so our CapEx goes up. So all three uh, kind of horsemen of internet are saying that AI is expensive. So it's almost like a feast or famine situation where a couple of years from now, I, I, I'm afraid that these winners will just have greater gravity of winning because of AI. Yeah, and I know the FTC is trying to get ahead of this, Yeah, uh, which is new for any government agency to try to get ahead of something. Uh, good luck. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Annie, I don't know if you have any insights in terms of regulation. Well, I was going to say, actually, one thing that didn't come up on the call, and I know it's 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 not likely to come up on the, the conference call with analysts, but it sometimes comes up on the media call is the topic of regulation. And I think um, it's kind of reared its ugly head again in recent weeks between the FTC probe into AI investments and then on the across the pond with the uh, European regulators effectively squashing Amazon's acquisition of iRobot. I mean, that is to me is a huge Huge deal. <laughs> yeah, that's big. And they just walked. Of course, you're making <clears throat> when you're making that much money on advertising in AWS, you don't need iRobot. You don't need a robot, right? You don't well, need a vacuum robot. <laughs> <laughs> or the, uh, the the 40, I think it was like a $50 million payment they they owe yeah. iRobot for the, yeah. <laughs> which like is a drop in the bucket for Amazon. I mean, they, they made that much money in the first half of our podcast recording already, right? <laughs> in, in spades. So... So Rohi, Annie, I, I just want to thank you guys so much for, for joining. This has been so much fun. Two of the most knowledgeable people in the space to come on a call with me and talk Amazon earnings call has been a real treat for me. So thank you. I look forward to next quarter. So I'll, I'll try to give you guys earlier notice uh, for next quarter because let's see how they do. Let's, let's, let's keep them honest this, this year. Um, thank you as always for your contributions today too and for all the great work you do in your respective spaces. And uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thanks so much Thanks, for having Jason. me. If you're ready to start growing and protecting your brand on Amazon with a team of experienced Amazon operators, you can visit us at day2podcast.com. That's day2podcast.com. And lastly, if you know of anyone else who would gain value from amazing podcasts like the one with Annie and Rohit today, please share it with them. Thanks for listening and happy selling.